Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for being with me today on Love You to Life. I always want to infuse a little bit of love, light, and encouragement wherever I am, whenever I can, and in whoever's presence I'm in. And right now with this podcast, I'm in yours. Whether you are 15 or to gray hairs, this is your weekly dose of a little bit of love, encouragement, and a little bit of light. At the time of this recording, it's Tuesday morning, April 19th. And I have a funeral to go to later this afternoon. And so it's brought up a lot of thoughts about death. But lately, I've just been thinking a lot about death because there's been so much death in the world. But personally, I've experienced a huge loss in my life over the last year. And I know that many of you have experienced loss. And so it seems that every time someone dies, it brings up questions again in me about you know, what happens when we die? I remember as a child, when when my dad was killed, always asking like, do you think he can see me? I wonder if he can hear me. Is he looking down on me? You know, we, and, and we all have those thoughts if we're curious at all. With all that said, today I just wanted to share some of my thoughts around death and bring comfort and more peace to you as, as you experience the grieving process and as you process some of the loss that you've experienced. A couple of years ago, I was talking with a friend and I don't remember how the conversation came here to to talking about loss and death, but I was sharing with him that about at that time, 13 to 15 people that I went to high school with had been killed. And of course, my dad was killed when I was 10 years old. And he asked me if all of those losses and and all of the death that I've experienced, has it closed me off? Has it made me scared to get close to people? Has it put a fear in me that those around me will also die? And I thought to myself, mm, not really. But unconsciously, I think that there is this fear when you experience so much death. And even if we haven't experienced one close to us, We're in 2022, and for the past two years in this country, it seems like every time we turn on the news or every time we talk to someone, there's been another loss. Unconsciously, I have to believe that that is doing something to us. For many people, death causes them to become angry. It causes them to become bitter. It causes them to have a heart of unforgiveness. And we know all of that is just rooted in pain. In my opinion, death causes a testing of our faith. Most of us have heard of the scripture, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or patience. And let patience have her full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I heard a man give a Bible study around the scripture, and he said something that I had never heard before. He said to let the trial do what it's able to do in you. And so as we experience loss and as we experience death all around us, let it do in us what it's able to do in us. And that's different for each of us. I was getting therapy for a short time, and I remember having the conversation about what I thought that my dad's death gave me. And so I was 
saying that it has opened me up. It's made me a more compassionate person. It's made me a more patient person. I don't know if I would have been the kind of teacher that I am without that experience. It's made me more understanding and kind. And he asked me, isn't that what Christ's spirit is supposed to do in you anyway? It made me kind of stop, stop thinking that the only reason I had all of these great, and I'm not saying this to be prideful at all, but the only reason that I had all of these great qualities was because I experienced such a horrific and deep tragedy. It was no you let the trial do in you what the trial was able to do in you, and you allow Christ's spirit to do in you what Christ's spirit does in people. And I hope that's true for you. Don't let the trial cause bitterness or anger or, or unforgiveness for a prolonged period of time, because I do think that there's a time and a place for anger. But it can't settle in us. We know that all things work together for the good of those who are in Christ. I think, I don't think, I know that for a lot of people, because this was true for me for a while, when people are taken from us, we get angry at God. God is not in heaven clapping his hands, celebrating the fact that someone was taken from you. He's not happy that you now have to live without a father. He's not happy that you now have to live without a mother. He's not happy that your brother or sister or aunt or uncle or cousin or best friend was taken from you. We have to know that it is true that he is near to the broken and he comforts those that mourn. How many of you know a best friend or a mother or anyone who in your time of grief as they were comforting you they were happy and clapping their hands that you experienced the death that you experienced. You know, many things that happen, well, all things, because I believe that God is sovereign, he does allow it. In my case, though, I have to believe that because my dad was killed, that the wicked will be judged and vengeance is his. And his vengeance, God's vengeance is going to be way more powerful than mine could ever be. So there's no point of me holding a grudge. There's no point of me being angry at the perpetrator. There's no point for me to do any of that because nothing I can do to the man who took my father, nothing you can do to the person who killed your loved one, none of that is greater than when God judges the wicked. For those of us who've experienced the loss of a loved one due to quote-unquote natural causes, what we have to remember in that case is that we do live in a fallen world, but the promise that has been given to us is that in the world to come, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more mourning and there will be death no more. Part of what makes death so hard, at least for me, again, is all of the questions that surround it. Obviously, the fact that this person is no longer here. That's the hardest part. But it just seems like death is this elusive thing, you know? I mean, it, it's just, I remember at my aunt's funeral years ago, the pastor said, here today, gone today. And I had never heard that because I, I had always heard here today, gone tomorrow. But with death, it literally is here today, gone today. 
I know that I'm not the only one that's confused about it. You're not the only one that's confused about it. 2,000 years ago, people were still confused about it. Paul, speaking to his congregation, said, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I want to read something that I came across in my just searching for answers around death. This is actually not found in the 66 books in our Bible, but it is found in what's called the Apocrypha. Some people believe that the Apocrypha was included in the original Bible and that it is the inspired word of God. Some people believe that the Apocrypha is not the inspired word of God. I'm not here to argue that either way. There's too much deception in the world for me to to be firm on one side, but I will say that it has helped to bring comfort to me around death, and to me it has helped to fill in a lot of a lot of gaps that I feel the Bible the Bible has. And that's not to say that the Bible is not true at all. I'm just saying that obviously we all have questions. Okay, so. This is in Second Estrus, and I believe that this was written by Ezra. It's called The State of the Dead Before Judgment. I answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, show this also to your servant, whether after death, as soon as every one of us yields up the soul, we shall be kept in rest until those times come when you will renew the creation or whether we shall be tormented at once. He answered me and said, I will show you that also, but do not include yourself with those who have shown scorn or number yourself among those who are tormented. For you have a treasure of works stored up with the Most High, but it will not be shown to you until the last times. Now concerning death, the teaching is, When the decisive decree has gone out from the Most High that a person shall die, as the Spirit leaves the body to return again to him who gave it, first of all, it adores the glory of the Most High. If it is one of those who have shown scorn and have not kept the way of the Most High, who have despised his law and hated those who fear God, such spirits shall not enter the habitations, but shall immediately wander about in torment always grieving and sad in seven ways. The first way, because they have scorned the law of the Most High. The second way, because they cannot now make a good repentance so that they may live. The third way, they shall see the reward laid up for those who have trusted the covenants of the Most High. The fourth way, they shall consider the torment laid up for themselves in the last days. The fifth way, They shall see how the habitations of the others are guarded by angels in profound quiet. The sixth way, they shall see how some of them will cross over into torments. The seventh way, which is worse than all the ways that have been mentioned, because they shall utterly waste away in confusion and be consumed with shame and shall wither with fear as seeing the glory of the Most High in whose presence they have sinned while they were alive and in whose presence they are to be judged in the last times. Now this is the order of those who have kept the ways of the Most High when they shall be separated from their mortal body. During the time that they lived in it, they laboriously served the Most High and withstood danger every hour so that they might keep the law of the lawgiver perfectly. 
Therefore, this is the teaching concerning them. First of all, they shall see with great joy the glory of him who receives them, for they shall have rest in seven orders. The first order, because they have striven with great effort to overcome the evil thought that was formed with them, so that it might not lead them astray from life into death. The second order, because they see the perplexity in which the souls of the ungodly wander and the punishment that awaits them. The third order, they see the witness that he who formed them bears concerning them that throughout their life they kept the law with which they were entrusted. The fourth order, they understand the rest that they now enjoy being gathered into their chambers and guarded by angels in profound quiet and the glory waiting for them in the last days. The fifth order, they rejoice that they have now escaped what is corruptible and shall inherit what is to come. And besides, they see the straits and toil from which they have been delivered and the spacious liberty that they are to receive and enjoy in immortality. The sixth order, when it is shown them how their face is to shine like the sun and how they are to be made like the light of the stars, being incorruptible from then on. The seventh order, which is greater than all that have been mentioned, because they shall rejoice with boldness and shall be confident without confusion and shall be glad without fear, for they press forward to see the face of him whom they served in life and from whom they are to receive their reward when glorified. This is the order of the souls of the righteous as henceforth is announced, and the previously mentioned are the ways of torment that those who would not give heed shall suffer hereafter. Then I answered and said, Will time therefore be given to the souls after they have been separated from the bodies to see what you have described to me? He said to me, They shall have freedom for seven days, so that during these seven days they may see the things of which you have been told, and afterwards they shall be gathered into their habitations. So that's a lot. And it kind of puts in me a fear of, you know, the Bible talks about where to have a fear of the Lord. But when I when I read that for the first time and read about the the torments of the wicked, and a lot of times we think the wicked are those who, you know, kill people. We think the wicked are those who are out there, the people we see on the news. But without Christ and without us accepting his salvation, we are the wicked ones. Without our commitment to obedience, we are the wicked ones. So I just want to, I guess, I don't even know the word. I just want to tell you that if you're paying attention, clearly the days are short. We are living at the end of the book. By that, I mean the book of Revelation, where it talks about the new world order. It talks about the mark of the beast. It talks about all these things. And around the time when Will slapped Chris, there was a, a, a world government summit or a world government forum. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, where the most influential people in the world met to discuss whether or not we were ready for a new world order. They met to discuss the transition to a digital coin. They met to discuss basically what the end of the book talks about. And then very recently, Joe Biden was on TV and said that a food shortage is coming. We cannot afford to be distracted right now. We definitely can't afford to be deceived. Our highest priority must be that we are found in Christ. One of my favorite scriptures of all time 
is John 17, 3. It is when Yeshua prayed that we would come to know him and his father. It says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Yeshua, or Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life. And as we talk about death, as we talk about loss, the the comfort and joy that we have is knowing that when we die and that when our loved ones die, they're actually not even dead. They're asleep and they're not dead because they live. They go from life to life. A couple years ago, I had the thought, or, or yeah, maybe it was probably a couple years ago, I had the thought that I'm so grateful for the life that my dad lived because of the legacy that he left. And we know in Proverbs, it says that a good man or a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. In that case, they're talking about wealth, which they're probably talking about money. But I also think about the legacy or the inheritance of peace because it brings me so much peace knowing that my dad is not suffering right now. It brings me so much peace knowing that that he is in heaven or that his spirit awaits heaven. Again, I'm still confused about, you know, everything that happens, but it just brings me peace that he is not his 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 um his judgment will not be one of torment. So let's let's make sure that we're able to leave that kind of inheritance for our children. Again, I just wanted to bring you some peace and comfort today in light of all of the loss that we've experienced. And um, I hope that that you just rest in Christ's love and his loving kindness for you. That's how I'll end it today. I won't do my, my regular outro. I'll just end it there. Rest in Christ. Know that God is not happy or clapping his hands that your loved one has been taken, but that we will come to a, to a time for those of us in Christ where he will wipe away every tear from our eyes that there will be no more sadness, no more mourning, no more grief, but that there will only be joy and light. So I love you. I love you. I love you to life.